0: Today we're going to talk about inheritance, but before I get to that, I would just like to uh, thank all of you for a wonderful year wherein we could just walk together in the grace of God. All of you that is just carrying this message in your heart that is with us in this, it is so wonderful to have you here today and uh, that we could have just walked this whole year together. Thank you just for your love and your goodness and your kindness that you've shown uh, to us throughout this year. And then I would like to thank everybody that has uh, given towards Dynamic Love Ministries, your financial contributions right through this year, making it possible for me to fly different places in the world, bring this message to people without working a normal job, I am very grateful for that. Uh, it makes it so much easier to study, uh, get my heart and my mind into the message, have time to write things, time to work out the messages and all those kind of things. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Um, just uh, It is just wonderful to see how generosity has taken a hold of many of your hearts. Thank you so much for that. It's wonderful to have you a part of this family. Then I want to thank all of our way pastors through this year, when you've counselled people, loved on people, uh, where all of us go through difficult times. Yet in those times, we assist folk, pray for them, and we are just there for them. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in that as well. And those of you that just feel that this is a family, inviting people, spreading the word, it is wonderful. To just uh, be your friend and to know you, thank you so much for that. Glory to God. Well, we're going to get right into the word for uh, today. We're going to go to um, we're going to talk about the inheritance. Now, I want to start out by just giving an outline. Today, I'm going to talk about what it means to have an inheritance. I'm going to talk about what it means to inherit <coughs> and talk about how we inherit, what we inherit. And what biblical proof do we have that we will surely inherit? And just more than biblical proof even. What proof do you have? What surety do you have that you will definitely inherit? So we're going to look at what does it mean to have an inheritance? What does it mean to inherit? What are we inheriting? How do we inherit it? And what proof can we have that we will definitely inherit? Now there's a difference between an inheritance and to inherit, and inheritance is the thing that you uh, is something that you will inherit. But to inherit actually means to now share in that which you were to inherit. If I um, say that I'm gonna, my son is gonna inherit a car from me, then he already has an inheritance. That car is is inheritance. But in order to inherit. Uh, you know, he it will have to come to a place where I give him that car. Now, that can happen before I die. But most of the time with inheritance, uh, somebody first has to pass away and then his children and whosoever, they get their inheritance. And when you get the inheritance is when you actually inherit. Now, God has come and he has given us an inheritance. And we're going to look at what that is. And we can even now start to experience the first fruit of our inheritance and then we will experience the fullness of our inheritance where we will then inherit uh, what God had for us. What's important for me when I come and uh, say this is um, when we look at the Greek word of inherit, it means to be a sharer by allotment. To share a, a sharer by lot, an inheritor, a possessor. So in other words, when are you when do you inherit is when you are possessing, when you are sharing in what God has allotted to you. Now this comes from the uh, I mean old Chaldean ways, people has done this for many, many years. But where it comes in the Bible and is clearly made in the Bible is when Israel, the country, the promised land was divided in eleven into eleven parts, and then by lot they would they would cost lots and by that lot people would get their land. And in other words, something is mine, and then a lot was cost, and then the very that I could now possess was given to me and then I could possess it. So to inherit actually means to possess. So you have to be an heir and you have to then possess it. That is inheritance. It's very important to understand that because at the end we're going to talk about this again, but let me just jump to the end. Um, if we see inheritance here as to be a sharer or a possessor, Now we're going to look at the definition of the word sin. And we see here, sin is not to have your part, not to have your lot, not to have what was assigned to you. So sin all of a sudden gets a different definition. When are we walking in sin? You are walking in sin when you are walking in a way wherein it would not be possible for you to grab a hold of your inheritance. And we know that the only way wherein we cannot grab a hold of our inheritance is if we live by our own power and our own works because the inheritance is by promise and promise only. So we see clearly here That when we talk about inheritance, it's much deeper than just uh, what we're going to inherit. We're also going to understand the atonement so much better. We're going to understand what the forgiveness of sin is. Many of you would know that I've preached the message where I say you get forgiven from dying. That is what forgiveness actually is. It is God coming, delivering you from what leads to death and even death itself. So when God comes and he has a dream for us and he has allotted something to us and we are not having that, it is a sin in the eyes of God. So it is a sin not to share in what God has dreamt for us. Now we can die in our sins, but God has come to forgive us and deliver us from our sin. And we can understand if uh, sin is basically not inheriting, we can understand that the only way wherein we can be forgiven from sin is by God making sure that we can partake in the inheritance. That is very important now, with that said, we're going to look at what we inherit. What are we inheriting? I want to read from mark ten seventeen It says here, and when he was gone forth in the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked to him, "Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life?" Now this is mentioned three times in the Bible. We find here that the Jews were thinking that eternal life was an inheritance, something that they can inherit. In other words, what it means is that God was the possessor of eternal life, and if we were taken by Him as His own, then we would inherit eternal life. And since God is never going to die, how are we going to ever inherit eternal life? That's where I believe the foundation is from where these people would ask, what must I do that I can inherit eternal life? Because uh, in normal circumstances, there's nothing you're going to do in order to inherit eternal life. Your father is going to pass away, or he will come at a certain age and declare you as his son, and then you will partake in the inheritance and what he had for you and start to live your life. But here we sit with a God that cannot die, and these people are thinking what can I do to inherit eternal life so to me this shows that in those times there was an understanding that you can inherit eternal life where the promise was eternal life or the resurrection yesterday I've listened to a lady uh, I can't remember her name now but she's got many degrees and stuff and in jewish history uh, and she spoke at a university and uh, she basically spoke about the jewish concept of immortality or eternal life and what she said was that the basic understanding of eternal life is not in bodily immortality but basically in your name continuing to live by you doing good things or also as in abraham's time People were thinking that they continue to live in having children. So if, like in my case, my surname is Brits. If I don't have children, then I die now. But if I do have children and I die, then my name dies with me. If I do have children, then my name will continue to live. So what Abraham was thinking was, well, if I don't have children and I'm dying, then Abraham is dead but should i have children then i'm continuing to live in my children and that is how there was a, a, a an, those were just two of the ways wherein eternal life was understood uh, by the jews and so many times we think, well, the Jews say this and the Jews say that. The Jews' view and opinion has changed over time. What the Jews believed a 1,000 before Christ and what they believed 500 before Christ, what they believed at Christ's time, what they believed 100 after Christ, what they believe 1,000 after Christ, and what they believe now is all different. It all differs. It's as if their mind is just changing all the time. So it's difficult to say, well, a Jew says this, therefore it is true. We have to go and look at what God says about eternal life. We've got to have God's definition of eternal life, wherein God was actually coming to set the Jews' mind straight on what eternal life is. But what we can see here is that there were people already thinking in the right direction, and they were thinking that the inheritance is eternal life. Now today's message is going to be a basic summary of all the messages that we've had this year and the theme of everything that we've been talking about this year. So when we talk about eternal life and that that is what we inherit, we're going to have to define what eternal life is. We can clearly see here that in three places in the New Testament, it was mentioned twice in Luke that inheritance was seen as eternal life or that was the desire we were talking about the resurrection they were thinking about the resurrection but they did not have a good understanding on what this eternal life exactly is and today we sit with the same question what is eternal life if we think of people living a good life let's say someone like uh, Nelson Mandela which came and forgave and all those kind of things uh, then we find that after he's passed away For some years now, people still talk about him. And they will continue to talk about him for some years. But there will be a time when he will also be forgotten. But his life will continue... In the good deed that he has done. That is also how we see something living a long time. We're living by making a name for ourselves so that when we die we've got we can leave something and continue to live in our children and so forth. That is how many people today also define eternal life. But God's definition of eternal life is something completely different different we find God's definition of eternal life in 1st John chapter 1 verse 1 to 5 and I'm going to read that it says that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and that our hands have handled as pertaining to the word of life for this For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. And then is the message Uh, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now what I want to point out here is just from verse um, 2. It says, For this life was manifested. What life? This life, this word that was from the beginning, this eternal life that was with the Father. And we bear witness and we show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now, what he's talking about here is talking to the Gnostics, and what he's basically saying to them that eternal life is not possessed in man's spirit. Because the Gnostics believed that eternal life, and this is the people that John was writing to, they believed that they were eternal beings in their spirit, but that they were dwelling in darkness, which is the body. But here he comes he says well God had a promise of eternal life from the beginning and we want to declare to you that it is not just in the spirit but that in God is no darkness at all and that this message of eternal life actually come and it dwelt it dwelt amongst us and we bear witness of this eternal life that God rose Jesus from the dead and that there is no darkness in the man Jesus, meaning that it is not just his spirit that's eternal, but that he as a full human being is now eternal eternal and this is the eternal life that we declare unto you if you can just acknowledge that you are not just a spirit but a human and you can see that the human jesus was raised from the dead then all of a sudden you as a full human have your fellowship with god because you are identifying with the human jesus at the right hand of god and so shall god then cleanse you of all unrighteousness and he will wash away all areas of your life where you are not sharing or taking part in the inheritance i think we need to read more uh, about that let me just go into first john Um, it says here in verse 8 but if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves the truth is not in us This is now for people saying I am just the spirit and my spirit is holy and the the rest is maybe sinful but that is not who I really am. He says if we confess our sin, in other words if we can confess that we as complete human beings we are not in our complete human sharing in the inheritance that God has for us but that we are mortal and we can in the context of 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 the whole chapter see a man eternal life in a man at the right hand of God and that there's no darkness in him and have that as a hope listen to what he says here he says then he is faithful and just to forgive us of not inheriting to separate us from not sharing in our inheritance which is eternal life and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness so we can clearly see here that John comes and he declares eternal life as eternal existence inside a human body wherein the whole human is saved. Saved from corruption and death and saved from any form of life which doesn't line up with the quality of God's life which is love. That is very important for us to understand. Now, okay, as an introduction, let us just uh, let's just summarize uh, what I've said. The first thing we've said is that an inheritance is um, it's something that is given to you or promised you. you par- and, and then to inherit means to partake or to share in that inheritance. We've said that sin is not to have a share in, but to inherit. Means to share in what is allotted to you. That means God has allotted eternal life to us. That's what He decided before the world began. Then man started to walk in sin or in a place where they cannot share in eternal life, which is to walk in the power of their own ability and not to have what God has freely given to them, to create life by themselves, to work up their own righteousness. I don't want to go too deep into that. But here's the summary. We've got inheritance, which is the promise of eternal life. We inherit when we grab a hold of that. We'll walk in sin when we're not sharing in that or when we're not in the path where we can surely inherit. He then has come to forgive our sins or remove us from the place where we cannot inherit eternal life. We've also said that it is clear in the early uh, times when Jesus was upon the earth that it is three times, at least three times mentioned, that inheritance is eternal life. For these people asked, What shall I do to, iner- uh, to inherit eternal life? We've defined eternal life as bodily immortality, where there is no darkness in God, and therefore when God comes and he saves us that there will also be no darkness in us at all where it's not just our spirit that he saved but where salvation is declared as the whole human being flooded with a light of life john comes in 1 john 5 and he declares that e- eternal life is a life wherein the human being can share wherein the human being can live and not die wherein god by his doing makes humans immortal and gives unto that immortal being also the quality of life that God has. I want to put it this way. I believe eternal existence and eternal life can be defined like this. It is eternal existence. And I must be careful in saying it this way because it sounds like a law. On account of a quality of life that is so good that it cannot end. In other words, God has come to give us a quality of life that is so high that that quality of life exists forever. Now, I've preached on that earlier this year as well. Uh, You have to go through through the messages to to see uh, a more in-depth explanation on that. Okay, but we've come to the point where we see that eternal life is definitely uh, eternal existence in a physical human being. There was a promise of eternal life from the beginning. This promise was manifested and what God intended was seen. And what was seen was that it is not just the name of man that continues to live because of the good works that he's done. Neither is it man living forever because of procreation. We find that a human being, not his spirit as all these Socrates and all his followers believed, but the human can live forever and that is what god has come to give us as a gift i want to say something else and remember we are summarizing this year's messages it's very important for us to believe that a human is not an inherent immortal being but that a human is mortal and can truly die because if you believe the lie that says that a human is an inherent immortal being, his spirit lives forever, you come from eternity, you're on your way to eternity, like a lot of the inclusion, universalism kind of thinking states, um, and so forth, that you're just the spirit being, living forever anyway, when we offer, or when the gospel offers eternal life, your mind will tell you not to even invest into that because you will say, what these folk are trying to offer me is what I inherently already have. It's like selling sugar to somebody that's already got too much sugar. He's not going to want to buy it. In the very same way, if I come to you and I say to you, Jesus was raised from the dead so that you can have eternal life, for you are not an inherently immortal being. You are immortal and you can die and your life can go to waste and you will be gone. If you don't, if, if, if you believe, if you cannot believe that you are mortal, immortality will not be seen as a gift and salvation will make no sense according to what Jesus Christ has actually done for us. And we will take the Bible and start to read other things into it. So another point is, it's very important to see that we are humans, mortals, and unto us is given the gift of eternal life. We've got life. God blew into us the breath of life and offered unto us eternal life. So the fact that you've got life doesn't mean you've got eternal life. You just have life. And this life, can, you can lose this life. But if you want this life to be forever God can seal this up and give you eternal life so we find and and uh, we can conclude that eternal life is physical immortality which is a gift unto us now the question is how do we in there's two points I just want to touch on here when we talk about inheritance we need to realize that we are inheriting God and that God is inheriting us When God decided to save man, the only way he could save man was actually to bring forth a man that can now come and sit at the right hand of God. This man, Jesus Christ, Son of Man, also called Son of God, this man, when he came and he was raised from the dead, then he inherited something. God, which is spirit, also inherited something. inherited a human in the Godhead. So God inherits humans and we that believe upon the Lord, we inherit God. That means God grabbed a hold of a human and when God grabbed a hold of a human and gave him eternal life to rule then over the earth and over whosoever believes in him, we find now that that rulership manifests in us that we then share in inheriting the very life of God. So God inherits us. And we inherit God. So what is our inheritance? Eternal life. Eternal life as a human being. Just like God. Okay. How do we inherit? It's very important to see how we inherit by knowing how our inheritance comes. Titus 1 verse 1 to 3. I've read that many times. Also 1 John 2 verse 25. Titus 1 verse 1 to 3 says that God who cannot lie has promised eternal life from before the world began. So this inheritance, which the Jews said, how will I inherit eternal life? Since it is something that God has promised before the world began, how will we inherit that? The Bible also says in 1 John 2.25 that the promise is eternal life. We see the same promise in Genesis 15 verse 1 to 8. How do you inherit something that is promised? You believe. That's the only way. There is no other way that you can partake of an inheritance outside of simply believing. You just need a believe. There's nothing bigger than just believing because it is by a promise and no other way. God has come and given us the promise of eternal life. So here it is let 's go through it very simple God gives us an inheritance this inheritance is eternal life. This eternal life is defined as bodily immortality as a oh, on account of sharing in god 's quality of life that means that this life will have love and kindness and peace and generosity and all those kind of things so what God is actually promising man is I'm promising you that I will come and rule over you with my power and then as I bring my kingdom or my rule of life to you you will then share um, in the very life I have and give you that is what it is all about He has come to give us eternal life. This eternal life is bodily immortality. This all is done by a promise. How do we get this? Very simple. We believe. That is all. We believe. We believe what? We believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and that God can fulfill what He has promised unto us. If we can simply believe this, We will not fall into works righteousness all the time. Let me say it this way. If you can believe that you are a mortal being by your own power, not immortal, inherently mortal, and that you can die, and you can believe that God promised you eternal life, it would be very difficult for you to be seduced by the devil to fall into works righteousness and the law. If we look at the original, and this is, I think this is going to be a revelation for some of you. When we look at the original thing that happened in the Garden of Eden and what the devil had to do in order to get Eve to fall into works righteousness or to have life by her own works. First, you had to uh, um, bring God's character into question, God's lying to you. The second thing you had to do was to make Adam and Eve believe that they are uh, immortal beings already as what 99% of the church in South Africa and America already believe that we are spirits and we are immortal so if you can believe you are already immortal if you can believe that you um, that God lied to you in other words God says you can truly die no 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 that's not true you cannot truly die who you are will actually live forever. Just your body will die, so you will continue to live forever. It's a lie from the devil. So if you believe you are an already an immortal being, you'll be tempted by good works, to, by, by doing good works, to say, Well, I'm now just going to manifest my immortality. The very same thing the devil came and tempted Jesus with in uh, the desert. He said to Jesus in the desert, If you are the Son of God, in other words, if you have eternal life, Live by living that life. And Jesus said, I will not have life by what I can produce. But I will have life by what the Father said. By that he said, God did not lie. I am mortal in my, uh, as a human. And God has promised me eternal life. And I am only going to believe him. And even if I die, he will raise me on the third day. And so I will live forever. So I hope you can see that the deeper you get into this truth, the less you will fall into the law, the less you will find the power of sin in you, the less you will find the fruit of the flesh in your life because you know that by my own works, I can never make myself live forever. When you know that the destination is eternal life and that is what God has promised you, and you know you are mortal, you will clearly, instinctively already know that it is impossible for you to reach that which God has promised by your good works. The only way wherein the devil could get you to live in in your own works, the only way Satan can get man to live by their own works, is to convince them that God has lied and that they are inherently immortal beings. Because that is the platform from where you say, well, since I'm an immortal being, give me the stones now. Which stones must I make bread? Where must I jump off? What must I do in order? Let me stand on the temple and jump off. Let me just live my immortality. And that would, if Jesus had done that when he was in the desert, it would have meant his fall. But he didn't do that. For he believed that he only lives from what the Father has promised. He says, I will live from every word that comes from the Father's mouth. And what came from the Father's mouth? Before the world began, God the Father promised eternal life. Jesus, when he was born, the man Jesus, when he was born, he believed the word that was from the beginning. He believed the Father. He believed that he was the Son of God as Jesus, yet also the Son of Man. In that time when he believed all of that, he did not believe the lie when the devil came to him and said, listen man, you know, Mary is your mother and and since you don't have a physical father, that means you are already immortal. God's lying. You cannot die. You don't have to trust him to give you life. Just live. You are already an immortal being. Jesus did not believe that lie. He believed, and this is how I see it, that he will only live, he will live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father, actually declaring that I've got the promise of the resurrection. That's how I see that. And that's very important for us to understand. Church, you can say, and I I find people every now and then say to me, Bertie, why are you hammering on eternal life? Why are you hammering on bodily immortality? Why are you hammering on and saying that we are mortal beings? The reason why I say all of that is because it is beneficial for us. It will help us to see what Christ has done. It will keep us out of the law. It will keep us out of works righteousness. And we will find the fullness of God start to manifest in our lives. Glory to God. We'll find love and peace and joy and all those. And in the end, even our bodily death conquered by God himself. That is what it is. You will not be tempted to go back to the law. Bhakti, why are you preaching that we are mortal and that we need a. Actually, God has promised us immortality and it is a promise. It's a hope for us. Do you know why I tell you that? Because if you can believe that you are immortal right now in the fullness of you and there's not a hope for immortality, then you can be tempted by saying, well, By the devil, by saying, Well, since you are this, you don't need to trust God for anything. You just go and do who you are. Where? The truth is that Jesus died, He rose, He poured out His Spirit on us. This Spirit, whereby we cry, Abba Father, shall also, if you read the whole of Romans 8, in a certain time in the future, quicken our mortal bodies but as for now we as well as creation groans waiting for the adoption which is the redemption of our bodies so now I still say I don't see my body yet redeemed yet the spirit that is in me the spirit of love and kindness also the tongues that I pray in, the Spirit of God, the life of God that is inside me, it's already the first proof that I will have what God has promised. That's why now, when I do see things in my life, where I see weaknesses or those kind of things, I'm not tempted to try and overcome that by the works of the law. I overcome that by resting in the promise of the Father and that's why I will never then as long as what you believe that, be easily tempted into living by the law and rejecting the promise which is for free. Now, we see here that the only way we can ha- inherit this is the only way we can have an inheritance is by belief, because it is by a promise. Now, I would like to end off. <coughs> it's going to be a short message today, but I would like to end off or start to end off by um, looking at a passage in Romans, chapter 4, Romans 4 and verse 16. Romans 4 and verse 16. How do you know for sure that you will inherit? Now, there's a scripture in Ephesians 1, verse 13, that says that the spirit we have now is the earnest of our inheritance, meaning the first payment of our inheritance as you believed upon him you received the holy spirit that spirit of god guides you uh, 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 brings forth life inside you that is already the first payment of your eternal life that's already the manifestation of eternal life the beginning of the manifestation of it it's already that life by that spirit we're already crying abba father and we will also see our bodies being saved now listen to this it says let's read from verse Four thirteen, 13 it says for the promise that we should be heir uh, that verse 13 this is Romans four thirteen. for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith for if they which are of the law be heirs faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law works wrath and for where the law is there is For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. I'm ending off with this. How can you be sure? How did God make sure that you can get this? He says he made sure by making the inheritance by promise. For if it's by promise, then it cannot be attained by the law. For should we try and do it by the law, we as mortals cannot and our destruction will be sure. So what he says is, I make it by faith so that the promise can be given by grace. That's why it makes it sure. Why can you be sure that you will have eternal life? Because God gave it by promise. He made sure that it's by faith so that, or through faith, so that it can be by grace. Grace is the resurrection power. So he says, believe in me, trust me that I can keep my promise. And then he will raise a man from the dead by whom he will keep his promise towards you. And he did it this way so that salvation can be sure towards you for any other way you would have to live by the power of dust and that would not make it that that would be impossible for you to have eternal life so at the end of the day we've got a very loving god that has come to give us eternal life glory God you'll have to definitely go and listen to this message I think it's a lot to chew on over the December times Uh, I will share the link every now and then with you of this message again listen to it again it will really enrich your life and you've got time over December if you've got a day off somewhere take your Bible listen to the message look at the scriptures ask God to show you amen I want to thank you so much that you've watched this thank you for just uh, allowing me that we can that I can walk with you through this year. It was awesome to have you in this web fellowship. And then I will see you again next year. Make sure that you send your number. Uh, just follow the whole WhatsApp thing. Get WhatsApp and send a message to the number that is now on your screen. The WhatsApp number. And then we will um, send you our daily devotional. Mondays to Thursdays. A three-minute daily devotional right through until next year. I'll send it to you. Thank you so much, and then we'll see you again next year. God bless.